complete sentence. Jesus is better. You say, better than what? I say, better than everything else. He's better than any passing dream you might be chasing after. He's better than any worldly ambition that may have captured your devotion. Hey man, I was joking. Telling Pastor David the church is growing fast. <laughs> so we need to make room for the young church that is coming up. Amen. Glad to see you all in the house of God. And I welcome you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So quickly we'll go through our topic for today. The topic is Jesus, the high priest, better than or greater than Aaron. Amen. Jesus, the high priest, better than Aaron or greater than Aaron. So if we are together, then buckle up and we go. Amen. So in the book of Exodus, the nation of Israel is born. It is called out of Egypt as a nation under God's rule. It is a physical nation and not a spiritual one. And so it's going to need a physical government. And because it's a nation under God's rule, governance or the structure to govern it has to be symbolic of the spiritual government. So God is a king over Israel. For him to administer to his people, he needs to have other people on the ground who will help the nation be able to to be under his rule, but more importantly, to honor God. So there are three tire leadership right there. There is prophets, uh, that is God's voice that speaks to his people, and Moses is one of those. He's a prophet, so a voice of God unto the people of God. There is a high priest, and this is a spiritual leader of the nation, assisted by priests. Later on, in 1 Samuel chapter number 8, 6, and 7, we hear and we read of Israel desiring a king. So they ask for a king. So the third uh, person the Lord introduces unto them is a king who is symbolic of God's authority over his people. Let us turn to Hebrews chapter number 4. I'm going to take from Verse 14, I'm reading NLT version. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, there we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Chapter 5, verse 1. Every high priest is a man chosen to represent other people in their dealings with God. He presents their gift to God and offers sacrifices for their sins. And he is able to deal gently with ignorant and wayward people because he himself is subject to the same weaknesses. That is why he must offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as theirs. And no one can become a high priest simply because he wants such honor. He must 
be called by God for this work, just as Aaron was. And that is why Christ did not honor himself by assuming he could become high priest. No, he was chosen by God who said to him, you are my son, today I have become your father. That is quoting Psalm chapter 2 and verse 7. And it goes on further and says, And in another passage, God said to him, that is Psalm 110 verse 4, that you are high priest forever in order of Melchizedek. Verse 7, while Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with loud cries and tears to the one who would rescue him from death. And God had his prayers because, his deep reverence, because of his deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. And in this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest, and he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. And God designated him to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. May God bless his word in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are going to go through a number of uh, subtopics that I felt are important for us to get to grasp what this topic is all about. So Christ is a high priest greater or better than Aaron. So we want to understand, number one, if you're writing, who is a priest? Who is a priest? Now, a priest is a person appointed to lead corporate worship or a representative of God who leads people in a lifestyle of worship. Or number three, an ambassador who represents the kingdom of God on earth. Amen? That is a priest. Now, we've gotten to know who a priest is. Then what is priesthood? Priesthood is a system that governs worship. Important, please, if you're writing, write that. Priesthood is a system that governs worship. Why did we need priests? These questions are important because I want you to uh, understand the topic for today. Why did we need priests? Now we know sin nature and God are not compatible. Thus, God devised of how he can relate with you and me. And so there was it was necessary for there to be a go-between, all right, that is set aside because a sinful man cannot stand before God. One person will lose and is a sinful man because you die. Amen? Are we together? Hallelujah. Number two, it is only the priest who can worship God. Now, the law of priesthood is that only a priest can worship God. Hmm. Amen? So you and I must be priests. To appear before God. Say hallelujah. Now if you're not a priest, you can't worship God. In other words, what I'm trying to say is this. If you are a non-believer, you can't worship God. Probably you may call his name when you stub your toe. You may be driving, hit someone on the back, say Jesus. But that doesn't mean worship. It, that is creation. All creation of God has an innate nature that knows that God is supreme and sovereign. Now, even though you may saw Jesus, if you are not born again, you can't worship him. Hmm. Amen? Amen? Yes, you must be born again first to worship God. Now, the Bible says that even demons know about God, all right? In fact, they tremble about, do they worship him? 
Yes, yes, that's what I wanted us to understand first. So if you are not a believer, you can't worship. Because the law of priesthood is that only a priest can worship God. What are the qualifications of a priest? Number one, he must be taken from among the people. Number two, he must be appointed by God. I hope I'm not too fast. Number three, he must be uh, able to show sympathy for those he represents. And number four, he must be anointed to mediate between God and people. Leviticus chapter 8, verse 30, and Isaiah 61, if you were there from verse 1 to 7, Jesus declares that before the people, when he read that portion of the scripture and says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because the anointing of God is what makes you a priest. Mm. Amen? Are we together? Now, for Aaron, he was anointed by Moses when you go to Leviticus. Uh, please change this. It should be Isaiah 61 or 60. Leviticus 8.30. Moses takes oil and anoints Aaron to be the priest. You are getting the idea? So a priest must be anointed. Amen. So why and why do we need priests? What do they facilitate? Number one, the issue of sin, as we've said, it is impossible for a sinful man to worship God. So because of that, the priesthood brought about a situation whereby now Anne, you could come before God and offer a sacrifice through the priest. Amen? Now remember, the law of sacrifice was that the priest will take your sacrifice, take the blood from the sacrifice for the people of Israel once in a year. And they will tie bells around him and there will be a long rope on his leg and he will go into the Holy of Holies to pour the blood on the mercy seat. Amen? Now you couldn't go, you could not go to worship God. Amen? But the priest would worship on your behalf. Alright? And if the sacrifice was accepted, the priest would come out alive. Now the reason they tied bells is because when the priest went in, they would hear bells and say he's still alive, he's in there. Probably God will hear us. Are you getting the idea? Now once he offers a sacrifice, they will listen out. And if he doesn't come out, they know he died. The sacrifice was rejected. They will pull him with a rope because they are not supposed to enter. Now you remember the story of Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. When he went in, the Bible says he went in to offer the sacrifice. And people waited. They thought, huh, what is going on? This guy is not coming out. We are not seeing any movements. What has happened? But the Bible records that when he came out, they all looked those of, what happened? We, we thought you were gone. But strange enough, the Bible records that he could not speak. So they wondered, what did he see in there? Are you getting the idea? Alright? We are together. I don't want to lose anyone. Number two, the priesthood enabled man to enjoy the blessings of God. Amen? Hallelujah. Now today we are mainly talking about Aaronic priesthood and the priesthood in the order of Melchizedek. That is Christ's priesthood. So what are the similarities? Number one, they were both appointed by God. Number two, they were both anointed. As we have seen there, number three, they both had ability to sympathize with us. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter number five. 
Let me take that. Let me take that. Trying to. So the Bible says that Jesus is able to sympathize with us. Number one, how? Hebrews chapter number four from verse 15 says, This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same temptations we do. Yet he did not sin. Amen? And that is why he would be able to facilitate that for you. But there are differences too. What are the differences? Under Christ's priesthood, Christ was sinless, so he offered sacrifice once and for all. Amen? Now remember, every priest offers a sacrifice, offered rather, sacrifice for himself first before he could offer for the nations. That's what the Bible is saying in Hebrews chapter number 5, that every high priest is a man chosen to represent uh, other people in their dealings with God. But more importantly, he says this. Uh-huh. Verse number 3. That that is why he must offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as theirs. Now there's a difference. So Aaron had to offer for his sin first. So Jesus didn't have sin. Amen? So he offered once. Number 2. Uh, under Christ's priesthood, Christ's priesthood is eternal because he lives forever. Now for Aaron, when a priest died, another priest took over. Alright? But Christ lives forever. So the sacrifice he offered is once and for all. Amen? We are together? Number three, Christ entered the holy place in heaven. While Aaron entered the holy of holies on earth in man-made tabernacle. Christ was the son of God, Messiah, while Aaron was just like you and me, a son of man on earth. Amen? Now, Christ's sacrifice cleanses our conscience. Now, you need to remember that when priests offered a sacrifice for you, it could not take away the guilt. Amen? So if... Not only you kill someone, Nemo rather, you kill someone. You went to the priest and you say I killed someone, so this sacrifice. So the priest offers. That will not take away the guilt. And so it meant you will keep offering sacrifices. And that is why you see some of the religions, they keep offering because you are not sure whether God accepted. Amen? But Christ's sacrifice cleanses the conscience. Christ's sacrifice was for the whole world, while Aaron's sacrifices were individualistic. So you'd offer for you specifically, you and your family. But Christ offered for the whole world. Christ's priesthood was based on his character. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 5, Hebrews chapter number 4. He says this, um, verse 14. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Amen? He did not. So on his character, not on the law, 
Amen? Aaronic priesthood is based on the law, not on Aaron's character. Amen? Hallelujah. Christ's priesthood is eternal. He needs no successor. Well, Aaronic priesthood needed a successor. Christ was anointed with the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the living God is upon me. Amen? While Aaron was anointed by Moses with a jar of... Yes, amen. Now, why was there need for God to change the priesthood? Quickly. Number one, it had become political. Now, you reckon by the time Christ was coming, a number of things were happening in Israel. You remember the time when he drove out the money changers, all right? And he said, my father's house is, but you've turned it into? So something had gone wrong with the priesthood, all right? There was need for change. Number two, it was now benefiting a few. Now, if you are not a sad, you see, <laughs> Rehab, you, you are considered among, you know, the scum of the society. So, you, your father is a fisherman. Probably, you should go and fish. You remember that story? That's what it had become. So, Christ said it become burdensome to the people, other than serving the intention that God had. Amen? And the other thing is that it could never defeat sin. Amen? So when did it change? Matthew 27, 51. The Bible records that when Christ died on that cross, it records that the curtain that separated the holy place and the holy of holies got torn into two. Amen? A signal that the priesthood has has changed. In that you don't need another mediator. There is now only one mediator. Jesus Christ. It is clear, brothers and sisters, that things change when Christ enters our lives. It is clear that your situation changes when Jesus enters that situation. Why was he a better priest or high priest than Aaron? Number one, because he was tempted like you and me, but he never sinned. Aaron failed the temptation test. Amen? And we know. So we remember the story? Even his sons, Nadab and Abihu, they failed the test. But Jesus never failed the test. That's why his priesthood is better. It is eternal. Number three, it is for all believers. Now, this is where I said, if you are not a priest, you can't worship. First Peter 2.9. The Bible is so clear. So Jesus refers to you as a priest. Amen. So because you and me are priests, we can worship God. Oh. And that's what the Bible says now. Don't be in fear. Don't come with fear. He says, boldly approach the throne of grace, not the throne of judgment. Ah, now tell your neighbor, 
the throne of grace. So God did not call you to the throne of judgment. He has called you to the throne of grace. Now the Bible records there that Christ suffered for you. Amen? He's saying he will not judge you because he knows Nemo what is testing you. Why? He was tested with the same. Amen? That's why his priesthood is better than that of Aaron. His priesthood, his sacrifice has made us all children of God. Amen. Say amen to that. Tell your neighbor you are a child of God. Amen. 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 His priesthood has power to save. Power to save. Now, unlike ironic priesthood where you'll go back into the same sequence, come back again, same sequence, the Bible says his priesthood has power to snatch you Rahab once and for all and you become a victor over sin. Amen? His priesthood intercedes for you and me. What a lovely thing. What a lovely thing. The Bible says that the blood of Jesus Christ speaks better things before the throne of God than the blood of Abel. Amen? It is not crying out for revenge or anything else. It is claiming the promises of God concerning your life. Now tell your neighbor, rise up in your priesthood. Amen. Now, like Melchizedek, Christ is a king of righteousness. And he rules over the kingdom of the children of God who have peace with God. Because Melchizedek means king of righteousness, ruling over a city called peace. Amen? So you and I are in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of peace. And Christ is our righteous high priest. What a lovely thing. Amen? Now, probably you're asking yourself, so what's the gospel in all this? Maybe you're thinking, this is too complicated for me to understand it. Maybe you're saying, now, what about me who's struggling? I can't figure out. I keep going back. I, am, I can't do this. I can't do this. So you're saying, what does this have to do with me? Because if this message doesn't have the gospel, it is useless. This, brothers and sisters, is a story of hope. Christ's priesthood introduces hope unto us who are believers. One, you have eternal salvation. Amen? Now just turn to your neighbor tell them, I am in the hands of God and no one will take me away from you. Don't live in fear. Christ says, for those you've put in my hands, Father, no one can take them out of my hand. Amen? Unless you choose to denounce your own salvation. Because that's the only way you lose. Is that true? Yeah. So you have eternal salvation. Number two. God's love for us does not exclude us from trials. 
Uh, the Bible says in Hebrews 5, verse 8, that even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Now listen, Christ didn't learn obedience because he was disobedient. Now let's begin from there. For us, we are disobedient. So we get to learn obedience. But him, he learned obedience by obeying. Amen? He didn't debate with God. Amen? So when you are a child of God, it doesn't mean you will not face trials. The Bible says Jesus was tested. He suffered. Chapter 5 says he cried before God. Do you cry before God? Yeah, yeah, you do. But look at it. The Bible also says that actually your answer is there. Your deliverance is there. Amen? But God's answer to our prayer must not come dressed in the way we want it. Now you remember Christ prayed and said, Father, if it's your will, may this cup pass from me. But his deliverance came through the cup. Amen? The Bible says there is no temptation you're facing today. Amen? That is unique and that can overpower you. Why? Because with every temptation you face, a way out of the temptation is in the temptation. That's what the Bible says, alright? So sometimes we run looking for answers. The Bible says, wait in the place of trials. God is coming through for you and me. Amen? It is through Christ, our high priest, that we worship God. That one we've already said. So, And it's not based on our goodness. None of you and me can be good enough to be accepted by God. Period. Amen? It is only by what Christ has done. It is through the eyes of grace that you and me are acceptable before God. Amen? You may be good. You may do all you can. I've heard people say, I don't do bad things. I saw the other day Trump saying, yeah, I'm not a bad person. I don't need to repent. What is it that is so bad that I've done? And when I look at the things I've done, I've done things in a very good way. <laughs> so he didn't need... You see the deception of man? But the Bible says even if you are like Trump, you don't qualify to appear before God. <laughs> Amen? Worship is a lifestyle enabled by Christ that makes the world to desire Christ. In other words, you are the carrier of the scent of Christ. You are an ambassador. You carry the scent of Christ, the smell of Christ. When you go into the world, Lydia, they see Christ. Amen? Amen. Sorry, I like calling out names, so if I know your name, you're in trouble. I'll call you out. <laughs> Amen? But what more do we say about this thing? There is hope for you and me today. The whole purpose of Christ's priesthood is to give us hope, you and me today. 
You may be struggling with an issue or another. Thank God for grace. Not just turn and tell your neighbor, thank God for grace. Now tell them, approach the throne of grace. Amen. 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 Now, brothers and sisters, the argument here in this book, the whole section we've read is Jewish believers are having a problem. Now, their problem is they can't reconcile how Christ can be a high priest and yet he did not descend from the tribe of Levi. So the writer is not writing to non-believers. He's writing to believers who have genuine questions. Now, he seeks to address this question. The amazing thing is that the same way we forget so quickly, the same way they have forgotten, what have they forgotten? That they were once in bondage in Egypt as slaves. Now, when God came to deliver Israelites from Egypt, did he have to change the law of Egypt? Did he have to change the law of Pharaoh? No, did he change? So God bypassed all the laws in the land of Egypt. <laughs> Amen? To save his children. God will still bypass every written law to save you and me. Amen? When God remembers his promise, as he remembered his promise, even the laws that Pharaoh had in place were suspended. Amen? But brothers and sisters, it is only in adoration and glorifying God that our limitations fall. The Bible says we come boldly before the throne to worship. Amen? Now in worship, we glorify who? God and not you. Amen? Amen? Now, if you are a person who doubts and have self-pity, if you are a person who thinks like your situation is unique and it can't change, then basically you are just glorifying you. Amen? And not God. That's a reality. If Dennis thinks his situation is different, I am glorifying me. So everyone should understand me, my situation, it is unique, it can't change, it is different. Yours was this, no, 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 mine is different. I don't think there is a way out. I'm glorifying me. There is forgiveness at the throne of grace. When you are being tempted, don't give up. You have a high priest who knows you better than you know yourself. Hallelujah, church in high places. Hallelujah, church upstairs. I hope you're not sleeping on me. Are you sleeping? Now nudge your neighbor. Are you sleeping? So God's promise is powerful that he can bypass every other law. This is the gospel. Now you remember the story of Sarah that she was past childbearing age. Now every other scientist then knew she could never get. But when God remembers his promise, when God steps into the scene, things changed. Oh, do you have faith this afternoon? When the law of flotation says that for, okay, let me sound like a scientist. 
for an object to float in water, it must first of all displace its weight. In the That's what science is, all right? But when you ask Peter, when Peter saw the Lord walking on water, he said, Lord, if that's you, call me, I'll come. And he said, come. So what happened to the law flotation? Ah, oh, church, do you read your Bible? What happened to the law? It was suspended. Oh, amen. So what law is, oh, man, I don't know how to put it. But what is this that is keeping you in bondage? You have a high priest. Invite him in. That's it. That's it. What about Lazarus? Four days in the grave. Now when they said, no, roll the stone. No, 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 master, you don't understand. Actually, he's stinking by now. now how many of our dreams are stinking? We're actually, they, we've shut them in the cupboard. We said, no, 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 don't, don't open up that one. No, no, by the way, you had an idea. No, 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 that one, leave it. You have a high priest that when he steps in, my goodness me, the situation changes. Amen. This is our high priest. This is Jesus Christ. He's greater than any sacrifice. He's greater than any mediator there could ever be. He's greater than your struggles. Your troubles is greater than your heart. He's greater than any sin you have. I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Jesus is better. So my hope for you isn't that you're safe, successful, and well-liked. Sometimes those are the very things